One of the most memorable meals I've ever had was at a wedding in a Malawian village. One of the, the students at the, the theological college where I was, was teaching was, was getting married. And he invited Haley, my, my wife and I, to come to his wedding. We, we looked at the calendar, but we enthusiastically said yes. And then we realized that my parents were flying in the day before the wedding to come and, and visit us. So, so in my mind, you, you don't just bring extra guests to a wedding. It's not something that you do. Most of you, most of us that are tuning in this morning, would probably agree. You don't just bring an extra guest to a wedding. But that's not the mindset of a Malawian. But when I told this student why we wouldn't be coming, he, he had this puzzled look on his face. And he didn't understand, and he said, your mom and dad... Your mom and dad are most welcome. So, so right after the 25-hour or so flight that my parents had to come and visit us, we gave my parents a bit of a culture shock. We, we drove a few hours into what we would consider to be the countryside, and the entire village was at this wedding. Everyone was outside uh, under trees. They're all eating simo, which is the staple food in Malawi. And, and we were ushered into this, this small house with the bride and the groom and the wedding party and some of their family. Mounds of sticky rice, mustard leaf relish, and, and goat meat were brought out to us plate by plate. My mom and dad, they, they didn't want to offend anyone, but they had no idea how to respond. At some point, my mom kind of looked over to, to my wife and, and, and me, and she said, so are there any utensils? I held up my hands. We, we spent what felt like hours laughing with this family, laughing with the, the, the new couple uh, talking about cultural differences, drinking Coke and Fanta from glass bottles and eating with our hands. It, it was some of the most extreme hospitality that I have ever been extended. So over the last few weeks here at WPC, we've been talking about how our identity is shaped around the, the different tables in our lives. So as followers of Christ, it's shaped by, by this holy mystery every time we gather around the Lord's table for communion at church. And it's also shaped around the common table, around our, our tables at home, as we're invited to taste and see that the Lord is good. So our second scripture passage this morning uh, reminds us that we're called to extend our tables out into our neighbors, really out into anyone we encounter, to extend the invitation. It's a fairly well-known story. It's a part of all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus, had been, he had by this time built up quite a big following. He had performed miracles. He had debated some of the religious elite of his day, and he had preached quite a few sermons. It was right before Passover on a, on a hillside near the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And starting at John chapter 6, verse 5, we read this. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in his mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, 
It would take more than half a year's wage to buy enough bread for each one of us to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, and plenty more women and children. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the, the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So over the, the last few years at WPC, we, we've taken the Sunday before Thanksgiving to pack boxes of food for, for 100 families in our community, 100 families who just need a little help around the Thanksgiving holiday. It's been a great way for our entire church to come together to participate in something tangible for our neighbors. Like everything else this year, though, Thanksgiving looks different. But we're still going to provide meals for, for quite a few for those 100 households. The entire reason that this has become a tradition here is because we believe at our church, that we are called to show radical hospitality. And one way we do that is by extending our table. It's something that Jesus practiced often in his ministry, with all kinds of people. He set the bar pretty high, and we're called to live up to that same level, that same expectation. The Gospels tell us that, that one day he, he ate with those who were on the margins of society, the down and the outcast, and another day he was sitting down at the dinner table with a respected Pharisee, surrounded by scholars and, and leaders of his day. One day he heals a despised leper. Another day he does the same thing for a daughter of a Roman soldier. One day he offers counseling to a shunned Samaritan woman. And on another he offers counseling to a curious Pharisee named Nicodemus. He preached in synagogues with experts and those who were considered to be important, the highly educated. And he preached on the hillside with the poor and the disenfranchised. So when we think of the sort of hospitality that Jesus offered, we have to look at the whole spectrum. We have to look at the entire picture. In a book that I recently read about building community and embracing those with whom we disagree, or even those who we find unpleasant or maybe even unlovable, the author shared why it's important for the church to learn how to extend the sort of hospitality that, that Jesus extended to, to everyone, to everybody that he encountered. The author writes this, Hospitality ascribes value to people. It declares them worth welcoming. It disarms them by easing the fears that past rejection has yielded and lets them know that this place is different. And once people realize that they are received with joy, they begin to rest in it. 
They breathe again. Now, I love this idea of hospitality disarming people. We've all been in places where we put our guards up, where we're not really sure if we belong, where we're not really sure if we're going to be accepted, or if someone will make a comment that will sting a little. Some of us sit in those places more often than others. And I wonder what it would have been like to be one of the people in the crowd that day on the hillside where Jesus feeds the masses with five loaves and and two fish. Can you imagine sitting there, sitting there on the hill, hungry, not knowing where you'd celebrate Passover, what the, the, the meal was going to be, or exactly why there was so much excitement around Jesus? Maybe you knew a handful of people who were there. Maybe your neighbor brought you. Maybe you showed up all alone and you didn't know anyone. And you're close enough to the front, you're close enough to Jesus that you can hear Philip say, where are we going to get enough food for everyone? Where is it going to come from, Jesus? Jesus challenges Philip, or as John writes, he tests him. And he says, where can we buy enough bread for all these people? Jesus asks the question. It's a question that Jesus already knew the answer to. He invites his disciples, though, to use a little imagination. Andrew, another one of the disciples, he sees a boy who had a bit of food, maybe enough just for his family. And he brings this boy to Jesus. Andrew has faith that Jesus will do something with what the boy had. Throughout this story, we we see that a little imagination and and a little faith go a long way when it comes to extending our tables, to showing hospitality. Jesus, he he instructs the disciples to to ask everyone to sit down, and he does what he usually does at the table. He takes the bread, he, he gives thanks, he breaks it, and he distributes it. And all of a sudden, there's, there's mounds of, of fish and bread that probably rivaled the mounds of rice and goat meat that, that Haley, my parents, and I had that, at that wedding in Malawi. There's no doubt, that, there's no doubt that Thanksgiving looks different this year. Many of us aren't celebrating with others. Many of us are celebrating with smaller groups than, than what we're used to. We have worries and fears that, that are different from anything any of us have ever experienced. Home life looks different. Church looks different. Everything is just different. And for some of us, the last thing we're thinking about is how we can show hospitality to others. But I'd suggest that it's exactly because everything is different that we as followers of Christ need to go above and beyond with how we love our neighbors and how we welcome them into our lives. All it really takes is a little bit of imagination and a bit of faith. So over this this next week, I'd encourage you to, to find creative ways to extend your proverbial table. Maybe it's with a neighbor you see on a walk. 
or, or maybe it's with a family member who you can't visit in person, so you call them on the phone or visit them online. Maybe it's wearing a mask wherever you go just to show love for another person. And then let's, let's follow Andrew's lead. Let's use what's around us and believe that God is going to do something miraculous with what we have. Let's have a bit of faith. Amen.